0: Happy Sunday. It's Super Bowl Sunday, right? Wow. I know, we're all waiting for spring training. My people? Baseball? Yes? Okay. Okay, no, just kidding. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. Now listen. Listen, my name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Connection. I want to take a really quick poll because this will be entertaining. Okay, you ready? You can only vote once, all right? How many people are going to root for the Panthers today? Don't judge. We're in church. <laughs> how many people are going to vote for or go for the Broncos today? Oh, now watch this stat. You ready? How many, team is, how many people's teams is not in the Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a miracle if I think the Bears are going to pull it off. So they're not going to. I'm going to go for the Broncos today. My dad's a Broncos fan. But hey, I want to tell you that we are glad that you're here. Man, Daphne is tall. She has it's tall. So... <laughs> It's too high for me. Anyway, I want to I I say welcome again. Come, welcome to Connection. We're glad that you're here. This is going to be a pretty cool Sunday. You just watched a video about Paul. Paul is imprisoned, and we're going to be looking in the third chapter of Philippians this morning. We're going to finish up the third chapter, but before we do so, if you were handed a purple piece of paper, man, I had to practice that. <laughs> purple piece of paper. <laughs> like purple people eaters, okay? You open it all the way up, on the top right-hand side, if you have children that are in Kids Rock, this is an absolutely incredible opportunity. I mentioned a couple weeks that we raised them up to send them out, right? Everybody remember that? It, it, look online if you were sleeping. Okay, listen it's, it, listen to this. Children's Ministry Day, you can read here, children is in grades 1 through 5 are invited to participate in Children's Ministry Day, Saturday, March 12th. However, if you look at the bottom of that, there's a deadline to sign up. If you have children, you have kids that are interested in doing this, there is a charge. You can sign up at the Kids Rock area. You can talk with Julie, or you can email her on this. Uh, what an excellent opportunity! Um, but because because space is limited, we just had to ask you, hey, get in there early. Okay, uh, if, if we fill up, we fill up, and that's that's just it. But uh, what a problem to have! We're going to go. Uh, they're going to go clean uh, horses and groom horses and clean clean stalls. It's just a service opportunity. This morning, as we move as we move from that announcement into this. I want, I, want, I want to just be very, very, very pointy, kind of, towards you. When Paul says in this video, he says, he says that every time I think about you, in the book of Philippians, he says, every time I think about you, I rejoice and I pray for you. Unless you've been in a situation in this life where you understand what it means when someone prays for you, I don't know that you can truly grasp that concept. When you feel like you're at the bottom of the well, when you don't have anything going right, and yet there is someone that says, hey, I want you to know that I'm praying for you and that I care for you. I don't know that you completely grasp what he's saying. My point is today this. You are, you are literally sitting... Don't look, at, don't look around. Okay, Don't look around. You're literally sitting in a building full of people. Guess what? That were not Christ. We're not perfect, but we know the man that is. And that's what we seek to live for. Paul has just been expressing throughout this whole book of Philippians, back to the Philippi church that says, listen, I want you to have joy. I want you to have joy. I want you to to get pumped up about what God is doing in your life. We're going to talk about that today. You're going to watch a game today where grown men act like they're in kindergarten. I'm not joking. Have you seen their celebrations for touchdowns? And and baseball fans, please you do not get off the hook. Okay? If you've ever seen anybody hit a home run and they go, Oh yeah, backflip. No, man, just do it like you've done it before. It's all about listen, you're gonna watch a game that some of these men, it's all about them, right? Paul says the exact opposite. What a great message to counteract what we're gonna see. Do I have anything wrong with football? No. Do I have anything wrong with the Super Bowl? No. Have you been to a Super Bowl party? The food is great. The fellowship with people is great. Now watch. Paul tells the people of Philippi to remember how good God has been to them. Now, I want to ask a question. Number one, I'm not going to have you show of hands, but if you've seen the Facebook post about, hey, it'd be fun to get a five-gallon thing of Gatorade and dump on the pastor and celebrate Super Bowl, (laughs) just don't stain the carpet, all right? Let me take this off. Okay, I don't have my cell phone on. Let me get my wallet out. But listen, we talk about celebrations like that, and in the light of Super Bowl, man, it's all about celebration. If you're the manager and you win the World Series, you're going to get wet. You win the Super Bowl, you're going to get wet. Watch this. Just watch. None of that celebration can possibly, at all, at any percentage, be as good. Or even close to as good as what God has done in your life. We are, most of us will never be, probably are not millionaires. You're gonna watch a game that on both sides of the field playing, there's millionaires. Now watch their celebrations. And as you sit in a Super Bowl party, I want you to think of a couple of these things. How rich am I? Listen, if you're a follower of Christ, you have no need for anything else. <laughs> Jesus said, I'm enough. Actually, he says, I'm more than you need. I'm more than enough. The song by Chris Tomlin, all of you, is more than I need. It's more than enough. We're going to talk about this last part of the third chapter today. Uh, But sometimes we we think this. Now you're you're saying, Matt, okay. We're talking about the Super Bowl and celebration. And we talked about the celebrating of Jesus in our life last week. But, 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 but. There's some questions that we ask ourselves because we don't want to concentrate on the celebration part of what God has done for us. And we're going to take a little time trip back in a a couple minutes. We're going to take a a time trip back and I'm going to see if I can somehow, not psychologically, but just enter into a conversation with you that you can remember some things that give you joy. Sometimes it's hard to think on things that give us joy, isn't it? Too many things beating us up in this world. We think, I can't be happy anyway. Oh, my job, my job. I had a lady come up to me this week. And she said, I'm so... that this is complete sarcasm. She said, I am so happy that you've been preaching that we get to go to work. Because you evidently and obviously do not work where I work. But then she said this. It has really taken a hold in my head that I do get to go to work. And there's times in our lives when we don't have luxuries like that, and it's those times that we lean on Christ, and it's easy to think, ah, he's not enough, he's not big enough. (laughs) We're going to talk about how big he is today. But oftentimes we ask this question, okay, fine. God, why do you think, and this is a very arrogant way to think, but God, why do you think that you deserve my attendance in church? Why do you think you can put these rules onto my life? We look at this Bible? Why do you think you can put the rules on my life? Why do you, Why do I have to go to connect group? Why do I need to be involved and celebrate recovery why why it 's not convenient anybody ever ever do anything that's not convenient <laughs> We come sometimes there are prayers by you, by us, by me that we we come to church we go to uh, practices, or we go to, uh, to connect group, and you know what? That timetable just doesn't... We can do something else. But when we show God how important He is with the priority of our life, then He brings something that you and I can't achieve on our own. It's called peace. It's called understanding what He wants for us. And that's a celebration. Why does God deserve my money? I know, don't think... I'm 35 years old, I'm not going to stand up here and preach on tithing. Today, anyway, <laughs> thank you. You people are awake today. You have had your coffee. You guys have been up watching like six a.m. Sports Center, all about the Super Bowl. Man, I tell you what, they start doing that like two weeks ago. Wow, who's going to win the Super Bowl? The team that wins. The team that scores the most points, probably. So, some of you did not get that. <laughs> Why does God deserve for me to act in a way that glorifies Him? Why? Why we, we think these things. God, why do you expect me to do this? This is not okay. This cuts into my time. I become selfish. Have you ever been tired? Nah, we're good. Coffee, right? Listen, everybody experiences being tired. Sometimes it's physically tired. You've got to go to sleep. Most of us probably, on average, we probably do not get enough sleep. If I ask how many people got eight hours of sleep last night, it would be very few probably. But listen, you can be physically tired and you can also be spiritually tired. And God says, you need to rest physically or you need to rest in me spiritually to recharge your batteries. You need to get recharged. Man, this is, this is the pump up for your week. Not because I'm Billy Graham. But because we're studying God's Word. And He is who He says He is. But we, we get tired Things don't go the way that we want. It steals our joy. We're thinking, I can't be happy in this life. Do you see what's going on in my life? Man, I've been there. So the title of today's sermon is Keep Taking the Next Step. And as Paul enters into this last part of the third chapter, he moves from the first 11 verses. He says, the pricelessness of becoming a follower of Christ. The pricelessness of having Jesus. There is nothing else that compares in this world. They're gonna, the winners of today's game have probably, the, the peop, all the people playing in today's game have probably already been measured on this finger because they get a Super Bowl ring It's about this big. It's not really that big. I had a, we had a physical trainer in, in our college and he played at a college in, in California and he played um, Division I football. Okay, Not a small person by any stretch of the night, he's huge. But I got to put on a Rose Bowl championship ring. And it was pretty cool. It was like, you know, eight sizes too big because he's so big. But, he, but it was like this big. But it was huge. It was beautiful. And I've put on the replica, the exact replica rings of the St. Louis Cardinals World Series rings. And there are, other, there are other rings out there that you can put on that are really impressive. But these guys, half of the people that are involved today are going to get a ring. You can be sitting up in the office. If you're in, on the office of that team, guess what? You're going to get a ring. that's cool. But we think, oh, it's priceless. This is priceless. The only thing priceless in this life is your relationship with Christ. That's it. Paul wasn't talking about rings. He wasn't talking about raising championship banners. He says, the championship banner that we need to raise is the one for Christ and what He's done in our life. Football player. I'm just going to try to roll with that. I wasn't prepared. Ooh, all right. If, we have, if you have your Bibles, if we have it on the screen, okay. If we don't, if you have your Bibles or your phone, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. And we'll get that on, we'll get that on there, but I'm going to read it for you. Uh, if you. If your neighbor has a Bible, scoot over next to them. Just read it. You can get on your Bible app. On your Bible app on your phone, you can highlight that stuff. You can actually highlight it. You can, you can, you can mess around with it. You can email yourself those bookmarks of where they are. It's a a really good tool. But here we go. uh, Philippians chapter three, verse twelve. Now look at this. Paul he's he's saying this. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. (laughs) Some people in this world, some followers of Jesus Christ, think this is the only way that you can go through life. Are you ready? it's like somebody ran over your cat guess what you need to have if somebody had their cat ran over I apologize that was just a now listen some people don't think that you can have any joy listen to me you are you are in you are in in the doctrine of one faith one religion in the history of this entire world that has this stipulation you ready the creator died for the creation it does not exist anywhere else why did he do that? He did that. He sent his son so we could have hope. Now let me tell you something. Paul's writing this. And I have a hard time thinking about this. And, 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 and in, my, in my brain, he's in prison, okay? He's in prison. When he starts talking about this stuff, I don't think that he was very quiet. I don't think so at all. I think he was pumped up. He's like, woo! Big game! Woo! He doesn't have Beats, okay? He doesn't have earbuds in. But he, listen, the Word of God is enough for him. His belief in Christ and what God had done in his life, watch this, it was enough. And he begins to get excited. Listen, he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. Basically, hey, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect, but watch. But I will press on to possess that perfection for Christ Jesus first possessed Me, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to take a little time trip with me. You ready? If you're a follower of Jesus, if you have ever had a relationship where you asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, and you have a relationship with Him, I want you to think with me. You ready? Do you remember the day that you prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into your life? Think back. If you're not a numbers person, you say, well, I don't remember the date. Okay, it's fine. Listen, I'm okay with numbers. August 13th, 1987. I was 7. I was downstairs and I was playing with my with my sister and we were playing a game that I loved. We were playing guns. <laughs> we had to get pretty imaginative in my house. This is before the Nintendo, okay? So we were playing guns. And I'm not being I'm not being arrogant, but until this day I had never lost any game, any physical anything, any anything I've never lost to my sister. It's like, not possible. Anybody with siblings understands this quandary. Oh, I can't. Too competitive. And my sister, this is is the whole point of the game. She hid. I found her. I go, bang, bang, bang. The first person to shoot the play gun at each other and go, bang, 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 won. I've never lost. Ever. I'm good. My sister. (laughs) On August 13th, 1987... (laughs) I was completely humbleized because my sister waited in, waited in a spot and she waited in a spot and she waited in a spot and she waited in a spot and I thought she had went to sleep. And I walked past, I walked past, we had a little wall that opened up to a living room in our basement and I walked past like this and she was behind the couch and she goes, bang, 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 you're dead. Demoralize me. <laughs> I was like, ugh. Here's the deal. God, used a, a play game to talk with me. There had been a missionary a week before at our church. His name was Mike Copen. He was a Messianic Jew. He was a Jew by tradition, but he'd become a Christian understanding that Jesus was the Messiah. So I think I fell in love with music completely. He played a 12-string Alvarez that was just beautiful. And I remember his talking about the people that he was witnessing to and realizing that we had sin in our life. And when that happened with my sister, I immediately dropped my gun and I ran upstairs. Now think about this. I ran upstairs. Ran upstairs. And I went directly to my mom. I was absolutely, incredibly emotional. You do not have to be emotional to accept Christ, but hear me out. I was very emotional. I went to my mom and I said this, hey... If Jennifer's bullets in that gun would have been real, and I would have died, the sin in my life would have separated me from God forever. We think, man, seven years old. Listen, I'm telling you, there's a vital role in our teachers back there putting into young children. Because at seven years old, I had a dramatic understanding of that I needed Jesus right now. I came up crying to the kitchen, the first thing she says... Did your sister hit you? What's going on? Are you fighting? And I said, No, no, listen to me. I need Jesus and I need him in a way that I've never experienced before, and I need it right now. Go back to that place where you where you accepted Christ, where it's really real in your life. I knelt beside a couch and I prayed. The simplest worded prayer I think I've ever, ever prayed. God, I need you to save me. Forgive me for my sins and come into my life. That's it. I was eloquent with words at seven. I'm still not. <laughs> we got up, and I'm not talking about the emotion factor, and I'm not talking about the, the crying factor, the, 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 all the emotions that play into this. It was the joy. Of knowing Jesus that was ringing through our house that day. My dad was at work. First person I called was him. Me shop is Steve. Dad, I just asked Jesus to come into my heart. I thought he would come through the phone. I thought he was coming through the phone. He got down to lunch, he came home to see me. Next phone call I made, I made to Jim Krask at the the Samaria Missionary Baptist Church Parsonage in Albany, and I said, Grandpa, (laughs) I got saved. I couldn't quit telling people. I couldn't and you understand what I'm talking about. The joy that he's talking about, he says, "Listen. This is a this is a well that does not run dry that has nothing but the power for you to press on in whatever comes up." This guy writes this in jail. He's not quiet. I don't think there's any way he's quiet. You see the video and I look it's Hollywoodized, okay? It probably wasn't even that nice. But Paul, Paul gets he's showing that he that he's praying and he gets knocked back down, and what's he do? He goes right back to praying. You know, if you were in the business of being the, the guy over Paul, you you get you probably get tired of hitting him. He just keeps getting back up. Getting back up, getting back up. Why? The power of God in his life is so big. He's writing to these people with such conviction he says, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Look at your worship handout. It's the blanks that we fill out in our, in our handout. Look at this. Paul said that his goal in life was to know Christ. Listen. Not to believe in Him. Not to believe in Him. Now, don't, don't confuse these things. Listen. Paul doesn't say, hey, I believe in Jesus. Jesus speaks to this Intimately. And he says, for, you, if you believe, that's, that's one thing. Even the demons believe in Jesus. The demons believe. He says, I know Him. When you take this out of the original text, it's to follow Him. To trust Him. To intimately know that relationship. And he goes, I want to know Christ. I want to be like Christ. Do you know what kind of goal that is? That's like rushing for a thousand yards in one game. That's like hitting seven home runs out of seven at-bats in the World Series. It, the, he says, I want to be like Christ. He has that goal. Listen, that goal is up there. And it's not, it's not, it's not as attainable as we think so. And we try. Paul says, listen, I want to be all that he has. Look, and to be all that Christ had in mind for him to be. That is probably today one of the most challenging things that we face as human beings because when we are we want to, we seek to be all that Christ had in mind for us to be here's the problem we have our own plans don't we man i was going to get drafted i was going to go play major league baseball and i was going to kiss that world goodbye the only time i was going to come back to Alvin was for an autograph signing my arrogance was out of hand I'm like, I'm going to show all these people that I came from a town with four stop signs and I'm going to go and I'm going to play this game and I'm going to be so wealthy and I'm going to be so rich. If you ever want to hear God laugh, just tell Him your plans. You know why I thought I wanted to play baseball? Because I already told God. This is really funny. God, I'm never going to be a pastor. That worked. Don't ever tell God that. But I said, God, that's not, that's not what I want to do. It's not my passion. And a lot of these things that we hear about and we look on Facebook and we see this stuff and it says, follow your passion. No. Follow Jesus. Do what he says, because if you match Philippians or Psalms 37 4 says, if you delight yourself in him, he will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean a Ferrari. It means if you match your will with God's, whatever He has you doing is your passion. Because you follow Him, I don't regret not playing baseball. I Not at all. You know why? Me and Yadier Molina are the same age. I wouldn't have got to play. Not for the Cardinals at least. I had to trade. be traded. Listen, listen. Paul said that his goal in life was to know Christ. To be like Christ and to be all that Christ wanted him to be. Now listen, this is huge. This is huge. We say, oh, follow your star. Follow your passion. No, follow Jesus. And that sounds so simple. Until we actually get into that context when we say, oh, I have to, ooh, this is pretty good. This is pretty sharp. I have to follow Christ. He says, I want you to keep pressing on. This is a, like introductory letter to like the, the church in Philippi playing in the Super Bowl. They are getting ready to play a bigger game than any Super Bowl in the history. This is 50, a Super Bowl, right? Oh, yeah, big 50, okay. Take all of them, combine them up. This church is getting ready to play for something far more valuable than 50 Super Bowls. They're getting ready to preach and teach and go throughout a country that has never heard about Jesus Christ, and they're going to go. So Paul sends this this letter. Listen. Listen. I want you to read this. We all had our favorite song. If anybody played sports in high school or college, you, ha- you always had songs, right? You had songs going in the locker room. Like, oh yeah, mm, get pumped up. You see guys today and they'll be taking drills on the field and they'll be catching passes and they'll all have headphones on. Getting pumped up. Listen, this is a pump up scripture. Listen, I want you to do everything in your power to follow Christ. Keep pressing on it. And then he says, how do we do it? This is what the people say. They read to verse 7 and they're like, ah. In, in, in Philippians 4. We're going to fast forward. Watch this. We're going to go from chapter 3. We're going to scoot ahead just, just really quick. Just look on the screen. To four eight. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Look at this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. We're going to talk about this next week. One final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, and what is pure, and what is lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Do you know what this eliminates? (laughs) Anything to do with us. It does. Anything to do with us, it just... I I watched a video this week on one of my favorite authors... He's not Jesus Christ. He's an exceptionally good teacher. He's a phenomenal preacher and he's a phenomenal pastor. I don't know him personally. I'm just guessing. (laughs) Based on the success that I've seen him have. If you've ever read anything by Francis Chan, you will understand his understanding of the gospel is incredible. He's one of the best influential thinkers of this day and age. But watch this. He said this. He said, We tell our kids and our adults lies in church. And I'm going to tell you one of those lies. You ready? You ready? You may have been told this your entire life. And I'm not trying to break the pattern. <laughs> you're a good person. No, you're not. If somebody comes up to me and say, Matt, you're such a good person. You know what I tell them? You don't know me. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. When they say, good person, let me tell you something. I'm not a good person. You're not a good person. Listen, the Bible, go, the Bible goes to such lengths to tell us how much we need Jesus. And it describes, and I can, I can describe it to you later in context of it actually coming out of Scripture from the original text. I can show, I can show you and tell you what it actually calls us. But even in the verse, verse of Amazing Grace, it used to say, a worm like me. See we we are not we are not okay and and Francis Chan this week posted a video and he said listen he said we have to stop telling people that they're good and start telling them that they need Jesus. We're not good. We don't we can't do anything good by ourselves. And I know I know you're saying oh, I am a good person. Listen. Do you are you always truthful? Are you always honorable? Are you always right? Some of us think we are. And are we always pure? Are we always lovely? And are we always admirable? Folks, there's not anybody in this church, in any church in Jefferson County, or in this state, or country, or world right now, that can say, yep, I am. Those things. That's me. We need desperately the love and the forgiveness and the enhancement of our life from Jesus Christ. It doesn't come from anywhere else. Not not any rings. I don't care if you have 20. It's not about the rings. It's not about the trophies. Now some of you sports gurus, you know, you could probably do this. And some of you don't even know what this award is. But if I ask you, hey, who won the Heisman Trophy five years ago? Some of you are like, oh, I know. Okay, listen. Don't answer. (laughs) Here's the point. Super Bowl 50 is going to be made this huge deal. And it will be a big deal. You know how long? About a week. And guess what? That Super Bowl trophy is going to be whatever clubhouse, whatever stadium it goes to. Listen, they're going to have somebody that has to take care of it and wipe the dust off of it. But in 20 years, in 15 years, in 10, in a year, all the focus will go off that team, unless they're in it again. We'll go off that team and we'll be focusing at two other football teams trying to go for one trophy. See, these things, these accomplishments in this world go away. They go away. He goes on in verse 13 in chapter 3. Just skip right back. He says this, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. That's perfection. But I focus on one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I want to. Some of us need to stay right here. And if you if you read this verse, and you're like, "Oh, that's important. You should circle it, underline, highlight it, put it on your mirror when you look up in the morning to brush your teeth in your bathroom." Listen to this. I've not achieved perfection, but I focus on one thing: forgetting the past. Do you have any inclining thought that Paul would maybe want to forget his past? He killed Christians. He didn't believe Jesus was who he says he was, and he killed people for believing in him. There's probably not too many people in this room that have done that. Maybe, maybe you're on a little bit of pedestal above Paul. Well, listen. He says, Forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead. Oftentimes, in sports, I hit, I hit number three in the lineup in college. Okay? I was, I was a line drive hitter. I was I w- I was power guy. And the third baseman, our coach was so, so sharp. The third baseman had ended the last inning whenever I was catching and he had struck out. Now wa- watch this. He had struck out to make the last out. I ran over. I was leading off the inning. I'm not, I'm not trying to bore you guys with sports stories. But I just want to show you something. He got out. He struck out. <sighs> Whatever. He goes to the dugout. I go out, get my gear off, get my helmet, get my get my batting gloves on. I step in and I look down, get the sign, and my coach says this. <laughs> Not to you that'll speak that. <laughs> he told me to bunt. Now you, you can watch all season and see how many times a guy like uh, Mike Trout or Albert Pujols bunts. I'm not. I'm not putting myself in that category, but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And he called time out. And he called. He, he was he was going through signs, and he pointed. Now I hit left-handed. Okay, and he pointed down third baseline. He wanted me to meet a bunt at the guy that just struck out. He's playing back on his heels. He's playing behind the bag. So the first pitch came on. It was an outside fastball. I pushed bunted down the line. He never threw it to first base because his mind was. Phew. You know what he didn't do? He didn't let go of the past. He was thinking about, oh, gosh. He's up here, he's probably like this. He goes, that umpire has no idea about strike zone. Oh, he just bunted. His mind was on something else. Our mind will go on anything else. It will concentrate on our past and we allow that past to affect us. Now watch this. Some of us need to take a great big eraser and get rid of it. Just do away with it. Some of us need to clear the air with someone we've had an argument with. Maybe... Just maybe you had an argument on the way to church. I have not put any speakers or microphones in your cars, okay? But I understand that that happens sometimes. Maybe some of us need to go apologize for something that we said. Maybe some of us need to humble ourselves enough to go apologize for something that we did that we still think we're right about. Would you rather be right? Would you rather have a relationship? Would you rather focus on the past or would you rather get on doing what God wants you to do? This is, this is difficult... This is hard. This is what Paul's saying. Apologize, forgive, get over it. I'm telling you, you could preach a year on the movie Frozen from the statement, let it go. A year. Let it go. Is it really that important? Think about it. Sometimes I have arguments with Mary, and when I sit down and really think about what we argued about, I'm like, what? This is not even important. I know you guys don't argue, but I'm just saying, I'm just giving you a little look into our life. (laughs) Forgetting the past and looking forward. Look at verse 14. He says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus is calling us. This is what the guys will do today. They'll battle and they'll beat each other up on that field pushing the football this way or this way to try to score touchdowns and extra points and field goals. And Paul says this. I'm leaving everything that I've messed up on behind me. I'm accepting Christ's forgiveness and I'm going. I made amends for my stuff and now I'm going. And he says this. I'm running a race. I'm running a race. If you put all 50 of those Super Bowl trophies right here. Just right here for all of us to see. It would be pretty cool to look at. (laughs) Watch this. the biggest trophy, the most unbelievable words you will ever hear in your entire life have nothing to do with gold. The most unbelievable race you will finish and the most congratulatory, awesome message and words you will ever hear is when you come before God and He says, Welcome home. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Run. Don't just say, "Ah, oh, all this stuff is just dragging me down. I can't run. Paul says, Leave it. And go. This is a pump up scripture. They're getting ready to have the biggest battle of their life. Many of them are getting ready to die. The church comes under persecution. All kinds of stuff. Look at your worship handout with me. On the next blank, it says this. Paul had good reason to forget his past. Listen. Anything that came up against the Mosaic law that he believed in as a Pharisee, it was not okay. Make them go away. He... If you know anything about martyrs in the Bible, Stephen was one of the first people ever martyred for his faith, for his belief in Christ. Paul Paul was smart. Okay, Paul was very smart. Paul, to our knowledge in Scripture, Paul never throws a rock. You know what he does? He holds their coats. He's still guilty. Here, let me hold your coat. You can throw faster without your coat on. And he says, "Listen, I'm laying all of that down." But look what he says. Paul had a good reason to forget his past. We've all messed up. There's not a person in here. Listen, don't go home and say, I'm never going back to connection. Matt said I wasn't good. I apologize for that, but you're not. And neither am I. We have to have Christ. We need Christ. It's a must. If you want to get some of the... There are trials in my life that I would have never made through without Jesus Christ. End of story. Without knowing about His love, without His forgiveness, and without His instructions, I would have been done. Went through some pretty dark times in my life. I would have not had any hope. My hope would have been gone. Only hope that I had was Christ. Certainly wasn't in me. But Paul's saying here, look, that because of the hope we have in Christ, let go. I think it would be very interesting to hear and to see how fast some of you could spiritually run if you weren't tied down to the past. It, is, it could be incredible. You'd be like, oh, I'm just so sluggish, I don't want to do what God wants me to do. And he said, if you would just let go. <laughs> you, know, you know what a lot of times we do? We, we, say, we say, God, will you just get this away from me? And he goes, look who's holding on to it. And we got two bags in our hand. He said, will you just, God, will you just take this from me? He goes, you won't let it go. Are you, are you cornered by something that has a hold of you in your life as far as an addiction? What, what is it? Let it go. Just forget your past. And take this challenge that Paul says, be. Be what God wants you to be. We don't want to do the last thing, because more times than not, it does, it does something to us. It scares us. When we say, God, I trust you, and we cannot any longer touch the steering wheel, it can scare us to death. That's what God is trying... He's not trying to scare you. He says, just trust me. I'm a way better driver than you. That's what He's telling us. Look at, look at the next scripture. 3.15. It says, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. Now, He's talking to the older people in His church. The people that have been followers for the, long, the longer time. He says, if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. He's not saying... If you have an argument, step into the parking lot, take some swings and the best man wins. He's not saying that, he's saying this. If you're a spiritually mature person, number one, it shouldn't be an argument. You should should counsel together, you should look at God's Word, and then God will make it plain to you. Here's something that I thought about in my life. Maybe you have too. God, you're so complex, there's no possible way I can understand you. You know, God is exceptionally simple. Think about it. Can you understand the Godhead or the Trinity? No, probably not in English language. I can't, I can't explain it to you. I don't have a professor at seminary that can explain that to you. God is extremely complex, but watch this. He says, if you believe in my Son and you ask Him into your heart to forgive you of your sins, you will inherit eternal life in heaven. That's a pretty simple equation. Jesus died for us, we need him. That's how we inherit heaven. That's it. And we think, wow, you can't explain God or who he is or his spiritual presence or where he is and all this stuff. But yet he says, I'm easy to get to. I'm standing at the door and knocking. And some of us believers, he's standing at the door and he's knocking on something else in our life. He says, Will you just get over this? You need to let that person go. Forgive him. Get over it. Leave. Keep going. Paul is pushing. Don't make it what we think we should do. Make it what God thinks that we should do. Verse 16 says, But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. This is what we do. Say you get some time and you're doing the right thing. I know it doesn't happen very often in my life either, but think about it. When you're just doing the right thing, you think, man, i got a lot of time behind me, I'm doing the right thing, and you mess up. This is what we do in our brain. You ready? Oh, I'm so horrible of a person. I messed up. 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 I'm such a horrible person. Let me live back in depression. I can't ever be that good. I'm just going to slide back over here. This is what you need to do. If you get right here, and we do slip up because, hey, guess what? We're human. You need to look back and say, when's the last time that I've saw that much healing in my life at one time? That's how you go. That's how you progress. Are you going to attain Christ on this earth? No. You are not going to be Christ-like on this earth. You'll have have partial pieces that can look like Him. You're not going to be Him. But we strive. We press on. Keep pressing. Look at verse 17. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Paul focused his life on one area. He said, God, I want to be like your son. I want to know what you want for me to do. And I want, I want to be able to run this race without any hindrances on me, and I want to run it as well as I can. He writes this. Just take a stab at looking back over the scripture this week. He writes this from prison. And I don't think he was quiet. I, can you imagine? He gets done, he gets done writing one of these verses. He goes, <laughs> He said, Dude, you got to hear this. Hey, will you let me out? No? Okay, listen. Listen, since I'm not going anywhere because you won't let me out, let me me, me share this with you. Live your life after mine. That guard's mind probably went nuts. He goes, you're telling people that even if it means prison to follow Christ? He goes, isn't it awesome? He goes, because if you kill me or I live, I win. They probably thought he was mad. They probably literally thought he was clinically insane. If you die... Or if you live, you still win. Oh, absolutely. If I live, I get to tell more people about Christ. And if I die, I get to hear those words of running the race correctly. Well done, Paul. Well done. You're done, buddy. Can you imagine the sigh of relief that he probably breathed? He didn't have an easy life. Wasn't dealt an easy hand. Look at verse 18. For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are real enemies of the cross of Christ. He's just talking about false teachers. And here, he's call, he's talking about the Judaizers. The people that said you had to follow the law. The, the people that talked about circumcision. And it was all about the things that you did. And Paul says this, it's not about the things that we did. It's about who Jesus is and what He did for us. Paul went from a serious, if you can, man, just look back at the Scripture about Paul in other books in Philippians, if you can see what a self-centered person he was. A self-gratification person. Anything that went against him, listen, he had enough power just to kill him. Be done with it. To to his life changing such a degree. Listen, he said, follow God. what God wants. Look at the next one. It's this next handout. Look at the next blank. This this is tough. You think, oh, wow. That's a a cool play on words. You know, to be or not to be. Listen. (sighs) To serve or, or be served. That's the question. A lot of times in this life, we go through and we say, hey, what can you do for me? And we have that issue. We have that problem. And we think... Do I serve or do I be served? Paul says this. He says, keep pressing on. He asks this question in Scripture. He says this. He says, will we follow God's instructions and keep pressing on? Or, will we stick to what we like, what comforts us, and what we think is right? See, we, we, we choose to follow Christ or not that's it I told you that God was pretty simple right in scripture you hear you're either for me or you're against me there is no in between those are very very tough words because because you you like myself it's sometimes it's, it's a lot easier to kind of ride both sides of that fence isn't it ah I'm around these people today maybe I'll just do this ooh church time good person now, listen we all struggle with these things. But Paul's saying, do you want to live a life that serves other people, or do you want to stay comfortable and be served? Or are you going to press on? Look at verse 19. And he's talking about these Judaizers. They have, they have the wrong focus. They're a false teacher. Listen, look at what he says. He doesn't, he doesn't play nice here. He says this. Paul's, I like Paul. He's very simple to understand. Those people... They are headed for destruction. <laughs> That's pretty simple. You know, you can look at the you can look at the, the sermon notes or the study notes in your Bible. There's not too much. They're headed for destruction. It means this. It means they're not following Jesus. That's all. Almost all of them say they're, they're headed for destruction. Their god is their appetite. Listen, hunting, sports. All good things to some of us who enjoy them. But I'm telling you, they can all become gods. People can become gods. Relationships can become gods. Since their God is their appetite, they brag about shameful things. And they think only about what this life here on earth. Listen, if Jesus did not come, and I'm not saying that He didn't because He did, but if Jesus didn't come, you should literally interpret the words of the old Scripture, and if you like Dave Matthews, you should take his advice too, because he wrote it down. People think, oh, these words of Dave Matthews are so good. Yeah, they come directly from Scripture. You know what they say? Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you'll die. That's pretty black. You want to follow Christ or not? That's it. That's it. Will we follow this? Will we follow this? They brag about shameful things, and then they think only about what this life here on earth is for. These are coming from a man. These words are coming from a man, and just like earlier in this chapter, he was probably jumping up. Two verses ago, he says, "With tears in my eyes, I'm begging you to understand what I'm telling you." We see this is not the only person that has ever wept for people to accept Christ. Look at Jeremiah; he's called a weeping prophet. He weeped for the entire town of Jerusalem. He said, God, will they please turn back to you? Will they please, please, please? Maybe some of our families have been praying that way for us for a long time. Please, God, please. I, do, I guarantee you, it was the prayers of my, of my family that got me through a lot of things in this life. We only think about this life that's here so why does God deserve us to go to, to worship? To connect group? To celebrate recovery? They just aren't important. They're not convenient. Why do we mentor? Listen. <laughs> to quote that lady's words. You ready? I know you're going you're to like this. We get to. We don't have to. You get to. It makes no sense to me in any theological book that I have at my house. No matter how many Bibles. I had a discussion with Emma on how many Bibles I had yesterday. It doesn't matter how many Bibles you have. It doesn't matter all this, these, these things. There's not a theological book that will tell you why God chooses to use broken people like us other than one place. You know why? Because He loves us. That's it. That is the, that is the cliff notes of everything. He loves you. Why? Because He loves you. Why? Because He loves you. Because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, and sometimes we are so self about ourselves that we say, "I can't, I can't accept this love." Look at verse twenty and twenty-one. As we finish up, it says, "But we are citizens of heaven." Listen, here it comes nah, final push, man. Getting ready, you know. They're like, they're like this in the locker room. They're getting all. They're getting all jacked up. You know, the beats are turned all the way up. Now listen, we're all citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for Him to return as our Savior. The disciples, when they saw Jesus go away and ascend to heaven, they literally thought He was going to be back in a couple of weeks. It's been 2,000 years. Somebody wants to tell me that, hey, do a study on the end times or when is it going to be? Number one, I have no idea, but I have a pretty good guess. Today, we're one day closer than yesterday. That's all I know. I don't know. But we're to excel. We're to push on until, until we're done. Man, push. Until we're done, push. Verse 21, he said, He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like His own, using the same power with which He will bring everything under His control. Listen, Paul makes a mention. He says, here's the deal. When we're done here, for all of you in here, no more contacts, no glasses, no cancer. I have a buddy of mine, he has a, he has a, he has a titanium knee from here down. He had bone cancer. And I have, I have a piece of metal and some screws in my arm, and I said, I want to be raptured out standing right next to you. He goes, why? I said, there would be metal everywhere. <laughs> Listen, there's no, there's no more hurt, no more sadness, no more tears, no more sin, no more anything but awesome. For those that have a relationship with Christ. Remember, just like the Judaizers a couple verses ago, he says, they're headed for destruction. God says this, you can be for me or you can be against me. There isn't anything else. You can accept me or not accept me. Our weak mortal bodies are going to be our reward. but We live this life and then it's over. Look at your worship handout. This is very easy. If you just... Just cut this out of your house and just put it somewhere. Just say I need to press on today. I need to press on today. I need to press on i 'm going to leave you with a couple thoughts and we 're going to take face down. Face down is for followers of Jesus. We invite you to come forward there 's going to be people here, people there, people back there. come and take a, 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 a thing of bread off, dump it in the juice, and take it. But I ask you to remember this, and I want you to remember this right here. Remember this: remember your past. But don't remember the bad stuff. Remember where God has brought you out of and what He's brought you out of from. That's the only thing about our past. Remember your salvation. Think about that joy. Think about that joy. Remember what God has done for you. Look forward to the future. Look forward to the future. Man, every day... I'm not a, not a party pooper. Every day, we get... A day closer to an eternity with our Lord. That should excite us. Every day. And as you know, time goes too quick. I ask you to come. Celebrate what God has done for you. As we take face down, people go ahead and come forward. Whenever you're ready. If you're a football fan, I hope they get to watch the Super Bowl today. I hope it's a good game. It's always a good thing if it's a good game, it's not a blowout. Enjoy the fellowship with the people that you're with. Enjoy and understand, listen to me. Don't keep the past in the front of your mind, but push. Press on towards the goal that Paul says, "Hey, I want to be like Christ, and I want to be everything that He has for me. Let's pray. God, we thank You so much. God, we do surrender our life. We want to know You more. God, we want to know You in a way that, we've, that we that last year we didn't. We want to continue to grow in Your Word, and Your Spirit, God, in Your teaching. We thank You for the worship, the songs, Your Word, God, Paul's message from prison, the pump-up before the big game of the church. God, we ask today that you help us enjoy today and enjoy our fellowship. And and may we truly enjoy the sarcasm and the humor of the commercials today. Now we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.